welcome to theories of the third kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts. There are three other hosts that are joining me today, of course. Danielson. Hey, yo. Anna. Hey, hey. And Hans. Howdy, howdy. So before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you'd like to help us out, well, there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is 16 cents a day, you can sign up to our Patreon and get an extra episode each week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to members only. Today, we released a Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over the Coral Castle. Also, we have over 40 extra episodes, which is over 60 extra hours already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as CERN, Disney Darkness, FEMA, Charles Manson, Clinton Body Count, Number Stations, and much more. We have a lot of extra Patreon episodes and a ton of extra blooper reels, which you get access to all of them for just five bucks a month. Another way to support the show is through our merchandise. Just teleport on over to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on that shop button. Then you can see all the merch we have for sale. We have t-shirts, hats, cups, totes, all that good stuff. I also wanted to say that the money we get from the Patreon and merchandise goes to bettering the show. Also, we know things are tough out there right now, so if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes, and that helps out a ton. If you don't want to leave one, though, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, Click on the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses. All right, that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is over the lost city of Atlantis. So how this episode will go today is that we will talk about what is Atlantis, the history of it, and then we'll roll into strange facts and findings, the theories surrounding it, and of course wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts, and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. A city that has been lost to the world for thousands of years. It contained a society believed to be so sophisticated that if it was found, we would have to rewrite everything previously known about our history. When asked about this place, many experts only acknowledge it is a mythical place, that Atlantis never truly existed. However, new evidence has been uncovered that supposedly shows the exact location of this hidden city. But why is no one talking about it? Is there something located in Atlantis that they are trying to hide from us? Maybe advanced technology or an elite society? Let's dive into the depths of this epic mystery. 
So the story of Atlantis comes from the writings of an individual named Plato. Plato was an ancient philosopher who lived in ancient Greece between 428 BC to 348 BC. Now, when everyone talks about Atlantis, of course, they talk about Plato and his writings that describe it. But most people don't know that all of Plato's information about Atlantis comes from his ancestor from six generations ago, an individual named Solon. Now, Solon's story of Atlantis was passed down generation to generation until Plato heard the stories and decided to write about them in his dialogues called Timaeus and Critias around 360 BC. So this Solon individual was an Athian lawmaker known as Father History. And the reason he was called this was because of his ability to document what happened in history. Now, Solon was also known for seeking knowledge. And at this current time, Egypt had the longest documented historical records. So, of course, Solon was like, I gotta get my hands on those knowledge nuggies. So he made a trip to uh, Egypt. This next part is debated. But what happens next is supposedly Solon met a high Egyptian priest named Sanchez Asais. Sanchez told Solon, Yo, man, we got this badass temple with some killer hieroglyphics on it. Want to take a look? Poor Solon was like, Sure. So Sanchez took Solon to this temple, which was the Neath Temple of Sais. At this temple, Sanchez translated the hieroglyphics on the wall, which told the story of Atlantis. Now, the story was passed down generation to generation, and it is how Plato received his knowledge of Atlantis. So, now that we have an idea of how Plato got his info for his work, let's go over some of his actual writings and see what they say about Atlantis. Now, we aren't going to read his writings word for word, because that would take up the entire episode. So we have some sections that we are specifically going to talk about. Like Plato says the following. There was a mighty power based on an island in the Atlantic Ocean. This empire was called Atlantis. And it ruled over several other islands and parts of the continents of Africa and Europe. Atlantis was arranged in concentric rings. There were alternate zones of sea and land larger and smaller encircling one another. Plato also wrote that Atlantis was inhabited by earth-born and primitive human beings. One of them was wooed by the god Poseidon, who interbred with the human beings, and they eventually bore five sets of twins. Each of them would reign a part of the land. Atlantis was, by all accounts, glorious, and not many things could even be compared to it at the time. It was a utopia island full of lush greenery, rivers flowing aplenty, and waterfalls galore. And as we mentioned before, the structure consisted of rings. In the center of them all was where Poseidon himself lived and his temple. It held the royal family and their palaces. The first land ring was believed to be the religious sector, where priests would perform sacrifices and other ritual events. Protected by not only... A ring of water. The second ring of land consisted of the naval forces supporting 1,200 warships. The next land ring is where these soldiers would have lived. This ring had housing for approximately 240,000 soldiers. They would have stored all the things they needed for the naval forces on this ring of Atlantis. 
They even had a 200-meter racetrack that went around the military circle. Now we go to the second ring of water. This ring was for merchant ships and ferries to take people to different parts of the island. Then the outer wall is where you would find your common person. They called it the downtown of Atlantis, and it was supposedly busy all day and night. Now, supposedly Atlantis did have laws of the land. One of the laws was that the Atlantean kings should not take up arms against each other and that they should come to the assistance of any of their number who was attacked, which this seemed good and all. But however, the Atlanteans decided to wage an unprovoked war on the remainder of Asia and Europe. When Atlantis attacked, Athens showed its excellence as the leader of the Greeks, the much smaller city-state, the only power to stand against Atlantis. Alone, Athens triumphed over the invading Atlantean forces, defeating the enemy, preventing the free from being enslaved, and freeing those who had been enslaved. After the battle, there were violent earthquakes and floods, and Atlantis sank into the sea, and all the Atlantean warriors were swallowed up by the earth. In a single day and night of misfortune, the island of Atlantis disappeared into the depths of the sea. This is just a little summary of some of the things that we learned from Plato from sharing his family's knowledge from these notes that Solon had passed down from generation to generation. Now, the interesting knowledge nuggets don't just stop there, because now we're going to head into strange facts and findings. Oh, yeah. So the first one that we're going over is Herodotus. Now, he was a Greek historian who was known as the father of history. He wrote the histories, which was documentation of the Greco-Persian War. So his recounting of events to capture accurately what occurred has gone untested. So when he made a map 2,600 years ago and identified a region of it being called Atlantis, right where it was believed to be in the Sahara today, which we're going to go into later, it just seemed like something you could trust as authentic. Now keep in mind, Herodotus died when Plato was two and had no knowledge of the books he would write about Atlantis years in the future. Yet, he has a map that shows exactly where it is. He also didn't live while Solon was alive. So, he didn't learn this from him. Yet, here we are looking at a map. This is his version of Africa in 450 BC. And you could see in West Africa, where he has labeled Atlantis, even shows the Atlas Mountains in them. Oh, is that above Libya? Yeah, there's a little green box. Oh. It's right in there. We have images. This next theory that starts to talk about, well, you know what? Let's just get into it. The Rakat structure is located in northwest Africa in Mauritania and is also known as the Eye of the Sahara or the Eye of Africa. It is a very remote part of the desert and wasn't discovered until 1965 on the Gemini-4 mission. Yes, you heard that correctly. This feature is so distinct you can see it from space. It is a strange feature about 250 miles inland from the west coast of Africa. The feature spans about 30 miles in total with a 20-mile wide ring feature. It looks like an eye and has a blue color to it 
and it, it has gone largely unexplained until recently. In short, scientists believe the feature to be where molten rock was pushed to the surface when the supercontinent Pangaea was pulled apart by tectonic plates, but the molten rock didn't break the surface. This caused it to bubble out and eventually it collapsed and created the different rings of rock. There seems to be an odd amount of descriptions that line up with this feature that has been described by Plato. For instance, he describes the diameter of the circular island of being 127 stadia. One stadia equals 607 feet. When measured in miles, its diameter is 14.5 miles or 23.5 kilometers. When you translate that to stadia, you get 127. Numbers. Upon looking at the feature, you can see where old river channels flowed over the mountain's edge. Plato said, The mountains of the island of Atlantis was celebrated for their number and size and beauty, and the surrounding mountains of the city flowed with rivers. This part of the island looked toward the south and was sheltered from the north. There was an opening to the south of the circle, and the steep mountains were to the north of the eye. All features you could find at the Rakat structure, Plato said that the main city was constructed with red, black, and white rocks. You can find stones of these colors all around the place, and especially the black stones. You can actually find a lot of loose rock that is of these throughout the area of these colors. And could this be what the structure was made out of? We're going to dive into this event that happened at a precarious time that may actually line up with Atlantis. So Aaron, teach us a little bit about it. All right, this younger Dryas catastrophe. So this strange fact and finding starts off with Solon. Of course, like we discussed earlier, Solon supposedly went to this temple, or went to Egypt, about 2,600 years ago, where he went to that temple, and the priest translated the hieroglyphics that told about the story of Atlantis. Well, that story of Atlantis that was being told to him at that time was 9,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So now we are looking at the fall of Atlantis being in total 11,600 years ago from today. The strange thing about this is that there was a planetary rapid climate change around 11,600 to 12,900 years ago, known as the Younger Dryas Climate Catastrophe. Now this climate catastrophe is believed to have started when a comet broke apart, or possibly multiple comets, and then they had hit the Earth and caused air bursts or impacts. With these massive temperature changes, it caused sea levels to fluctuate and caused a mass extinction event of 75% of North American mammals. This event could be what caused the city of Atlantis to fall and disappear under the sea. So now if we are looking at the Eye of the Sahara as, or the Rickot structure, as a possible location for Atlantis, what you could do is you can go into flood maps and actually put in, you know, elevation of what of things and whatnot, and it'll show you what the water looked like in that area. Hold on, what are flood maps? Just a thing where you it like shows floods? Like you can literally go to that link I put and then change like the elevation and everything like that, and it'll adjust the oceans and what whatever to so like this that I'm showing you here is what they believed the waters look like back when Atlantis existed. What a time to be alive. Well, basically, because of this event, it caused fluctuations in the ocean, which could have also caused the flooding 
to take out Atlantis. But let's just dive into this little flood map here. So when you look at satellite images of the Rakat structure and the surrounding area, it looks as though water had come through the area. When you put a time frame for when Atlantis was believed to be around, uh, then this is what the waters would have looked like, is the example I left here. And as you see, Mauritania is an island, exactly like Plato said it would have been. And you could see that little marker on the zoomed in is where the eye of the Sahara is. So it still has water in it as though, you know, it had the two rings of water and three of land or the other way around. So you could still see how it would have water in there at that time. When people look at the elevation of Mauritania today, they'll say it's too high to be at the level that was needed for these waters to be where they're at, where they're at in this image. And at face value, that does seem logical. But we have to take into account the, the way that the geologists say that this structure was formed. Because as they've tried to figure out what it is, the best thing that they've come up with is that it's molten lava, like we talked about earlier, that came to the top, didn't break, it became a bubble, that bubble burst, and then the different types of rocks created the rings around it. And because of the moving of the tectonic plates, it uplifted the island and uh, the overlying rock. So we're going to keep continue going to it, but it's totally plausible that this was exactly what the water levels were. So they believe that this is possible because today, Antarctica has been rising at an inch and a half a year. And they believe it's from the subterranean bedrock from, uh, rising due to the ice melting. So is it really far-fetched to think that Mauritania could have risen higher due to their tectonic plate movements. We even have some math to prove that this is totally plausible. Dan? <laughs> I have calculated that Aaron is a bitch. <laughs> oh, I love it. We're keeping that in. <laughs> All right, Dan, what do you got for our numbers, our math guy? So Mauritania is about 1,300 feet above sea level. And if it rose 1.6 inches a year for 11,600 years, and this is the perceived time to the fall of Atlantis based on Salon's documentation, that would be 1,550 feet above sea level. This alone makes it plausible with the variable of what the sea levels could have been then. There is a proposed theory that if Atlantis would have sunk below sea level, and with this rising sea level and ultimately shifting land, it may have only been a couple of hundred feet above sea level at the time, which would put it closer to that 1,300 feet above sea level mark. The calculations the person got by doing his math was put into a flood map generator to see what the landmass might have looked like at that time. If you put the eye of the Sahara at 417 meters of 1,368.11 feet, you will be amazed by how much the landscape changes. If you put Herodotus's map by his flood map, it looks basically the same. It even shows up looking more like the island described by Plato. So that's the one that we have above. Um, but this image, this, this image blows my mind. So we have a satellite image of... You can see the eye of the Sahara within that crevice. 
flat planes, which Plato said that there were flat level planes by uh, Atlantis. And what looks to me as though water, large amounts of water, went through the area, pooling the sand to the sea. It does look like that. It really does. Yeah. If you go to this link, right underneath it, it has Google Earth images. And it'll keep moving closer and closer in. There's one that's really zoomed in of that area. And you could see the lines of the, what I'm going to say is the ocean pulling the sands across. Uh, it's a very, it's different. I don't think anywhere in the world looks like this. But these are all satellite images of the area. Wow. Pretty crazy. It is. And if you zoom out enough, like you can actually follow that trail from the west side of Africa east. You can follow it to show where the ocean could have easily from the north side, the Mediterranean, maybe that's up there, came down and went into like went through Africa to get to the west side of Africa and Mauritania. And all this believed to be because of the massive climate change that happened, or possibly Poseidon doing it himself, if you believe those legends. Uh, but we'll get to that in just a second. Honestly, the eye of uh, Africa looks like a UFO from a little bit higher up. Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Dan. It's really weird that the eye is blue and everything around it is this sandy deserts of the Sahara. There's giant mountains to the north. It opens up to the south. Uh, Plato said those exact words, that there were these giant steep mountains that protected it from the north, and then it opened up at the south and connected to the ocean. And when you look at the Rakat structure zoomed in, you can see the giant mountains to the north, and that there is, in its circle, a little section to the south that looks like it would have been a great place for them to get seawater from. And then people think, well, that was 250 miles off. Like, the Eye of the Sahara is 250 miles inland. But we're talking 11,000 years ago that this existed. The landscape of the world was so different at the time. And like we talked about with the flood map, we simulated what the world would have looked like at that time. And it is an island. Mm -hmm. Mauritania looked exactly like an island. So something that... Most people don't know about the Sahara is that the sand is made up of the ocean sand. You can go out there and there are seashells littered through the sand. It's as though a tsunami went through and deposited ocean floor along the way. And that's what we're seeing as it pulls into the ocean is that tsunami retreating back into the ocean. But I just thought it was so interesting that the sand was made from the ocean's sand because none of us have probably ever thought of that before. We're just like, oh, the Sahara, it's the driest place in the world, one of the driest places in the world. But when you look at Africa on a map, the southern part of Africa is luscious and green and beautiful, yet the top is dead and dry. Why? Have we really ever stopped and thought? Maybe it's because a catastrophe happened that literally 
suffocated the life that was there through water and then sand. You can't grow any life with sand that thick. There's dunes of sand in the Sahara. That's how much possibly, if this theory is true, came across this land. This would have been a huge tsunami to wipe off this much of Africa. Poseidon was pissed. Oh, yeah, he was. Zeus gets all the women. <laughs> hey, he had a temple and he had ten sets or t- five sets of twins. All boys. That's even yeah. worse. Another piece of evidence to show that there was salt water in Africa was that in all the surrounding wells, there are, there's just salt water in them. How can you get salt water in a well 250 miles inland? unless the ocean was there at one point in time. And the only place that there isn't salt water in the well is in the center of the eye of the Sahara, the ricotte structure. There is a spring that you can go down into and it has fresh water. Any other well, you have to dig 200 feet down to get to fresh water. And Plato even said that there was a well near the central Acropolis that provided the city with fresh water. Acropolis? It was at like a city in Atlantis? Yeah, well, that, that was the, the main, the center city. That was where all the royals were. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was... Royals. Poseidon's temple. Okay. The Poseidon even found it... No, like, basically, Poseidon was like, and this is a quote from Plato, that he had no difficulty in making special arrangements for the center island, bringing up two springs of water from beneath the earth, one of warm water and the other of cold. Look at him go. I know. Providing. And that's strange, right? This all seems to add up to Atlantis being where the ricotte structure is, was at and something mm-hmm. happening. Man, can't wait to get into theories. Dude, me too. Hell yeah. So I guess that takes us to the next uh, strange fact and finding, which is King Atlas. So King Atlas was the eldest son of Poseidon who had five sets of twin boys. Now, I know what you're thinking. To have five sets of male twins just seems impossible. I agree the odds seem crazy, but have you seen that village in Brazil where there's nothing but blonde hair and blue eye twins? Just saying. No. No. Oh, yeah. Side note. There's a village in Brazil or Portugal. It's like way, it's not in Portugal, it's in South America, where they believe Nazi scientists went and perfected the twin gene. They're all blonde hair and blue eyes. It's got like the highest, it's got like the highest twin count ratio in the world. Knowledge nuggies. Random knowledge nuggies. Look at friggin' Hans. But when you search which nation has the most twins per capita, you will see that Nigeria does, which is close to Mauritania, the proposed site of Atlantis. King Atlas was the first king of Atlantis. When you break down the word Atlantis, it means the city of Atlas. Historically speaking, King Atlas was actually the king who ruled Mauritania. As we have shown you as well, this is exactly where it is believed that Atlantis could have been. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, this King Atlas guy really existed in history. He was the king of Mauritania. They named the Atlas Mountains after him. The Atlantic Ocean was named after him. 
Yet, if you Wikipedia this man and Atlantis, you will never find a connection. If you look up Atlantis and try to look up him in Wikipedia in the search, you will not find a connection. Yet, he was the king of Mauritania. And Mauritania, if it was uh, where Atlantis was, all of these little knowledge nuggies we're throwing in and Plato's description would all be 100% accurate. The fact that Atlantis means city of Atlas. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all adding up. This just seems so compelling to me. My mind has been blown. Well, I can't wait to hear your theories about it. We're almost there. We're getting there. All right, we got a couple more strange facts and findings. This next one we have is about the animals found by the Rakat in surrounding areas. The sand itself is littered with seashells, as if the ocean floor had once been there. There have been reports of unfossilized whales found in Mauritania. It takes over a million years for bones to become fossils. So how is it that these whales go there without the ocean covering the area in the recent past? You know, they have even found boats miles inland. Like, how could these things have reached this far inland without there being water across it at some point? Yeah, this area of Africa had a large number of elephants. There are elephants drawn on rocks and also skeletons found in the surrounding areas, which just further indicates that Plato's writings could actually be true. He wrote, and I quote, There were a great number of elephants on the island. I like your voice of Plato. Thank you. Strange. I agree. Range facts and findings. Now, there was some artifacts found as well, right? Yeah, there were, there's been thousands of artifacts found in and around the Rakat structure. Most are 12,000 years and older, which puts them in the time frame of Atlantis. These items include arrowheads, spears, stone spheres, surfboards even, oars, ship hulls, and more. The spheres look like cannonballs. And if there were 1,200 naval ships around, it's very likely that battle was inevitable with somebody. They were protecting this from somebody. And even if they weren't actually fighting people, they probably still ran practice drills. So they shot cannonballs just to make sure equipment's working. Uh, but when there's this amazing documentary on Gaia called Visiting Atlantis, and I highly recommend everybody listen, watch it. Uh, most people who have probably learned about Atlantis recently and the discovery of it as the Eye of the Sahara watched this three-part video on YouTube. That guy who made that video learned a lot of his information from this visiting Atlantis. They, I recommend watching that and the other videos, but the Gaia thing, because these people actually travel to the Rakat structure. You get to see the area and how the land changes and the plains that Plato talked about. They said that they traveled four hours because it was all mountains, all mountains, all mountains. They're like, where's these plains that Plato talked about? And they said, we like came over this ridge and then boom. For four hours, we drove on flat ground and then they got to the Rakat structure and just talked a a lot about like what that was. They talked to the people in the area. Um, There's like three million people who live in Mauritania and they have this amazing collection of artifacts that they have done their best to create their home museum. 
because they know one day this is going to be so important. But right now, people aren't seeing the value of, of the discoveries. And when you look, they have it all organized. And it just looks so great. They have these giant sections of cannonballs. I mean, must watch. That and then one thing that we didn't have time to get into is Matthias De Stefano. He said he actually lived a past life in Atlantis. And he's on Gaia as well. And uh, honestly, I think the spiritual side of Atlantis, because there's a lot of people believe that, I'll just get into that in theories, but um, basically that he lived in that time and he talks about what happened, why it fell, what he knows from his past life memories. Uh, But yeah, there's just not enough time to dig into him and his story. So I'm telling you about it so you can go check it out because it was a really good story. Matthias de Stefano. Nice. Is King Atlas the same Atlas in like Greek mythology that's holding up like the Yeah. Of the world? Yeah. It was a Titan. Exactly that. Oh. And even if you really break it down, because we could have spent a lot of time proving that Atlas was real. His son or sorry, Atlas was a twin. His twin's name was like Oh, I didn't research him as much, but the surrounding areas are named after the sons of Poseidon. And you could tie them all in to like the 10 kingdoms that were created when the boys got older and Poseidon gave them all their own kingdoms to run. It's, it goes deep. It goes hella deep. Just saying. So continue to keep digging into it. But for years people have been speculating of where Atlantis is because stories say it's been taken away by the ocean. So is it under the ocean? It really could be. So we actually have a couple other places that this could be. Yeah, and this rolls us right into theories, right? Mm-hmm. Theories. Hell yeah. Nice. Jesus nice. Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love you, God. I wish that we had video for that. People need to witness what that was right there. That was the spirit of Jesus coming out of you. Hell yeah. So what's the first theory we have? Oh, well, the first theory we have is it's uh, in the Bermuda Triangle. Ooh. Some people believe that Atlantis was located in or near the Bahamas. The Bimini Road, or the Wall, as some call it, was discovered in 1968 by two divers. Some believe this because off the shore of Bimini Island is an underwater rock formation that resembles a road. These rocks are limestone that measure 10 by 13 foot and are laid out in a linear fashion. The limestone is made up of a carbonate cement shell hash which is native to the Bahamas. This road is submerged under 18 foot of water and stretches at least a half a mile. So the theory goes like Everything with the Bermuda Triangle, it just disappears, never to be seen or heard from again. Okay. All right. I mean, yeah, I can see that, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot of mysteries under that ocean. Yeah, the people of Atlantis, they're, they're all inside the, the Bermuda Triangle, and then all of a sudden they're like, what the fuck, these airplanes are coming from? Holy shit, these ships, what the f-? That's just like the, no, that's just like <laughs> the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never finds her home again when she leaves the island. I fell asleep during that movie. I know you did. You you missed it. That was probably the best supervillain ever. Yeah, yeah, I'd recommend it. 
I don't like that they made spirituality or crystal people. Hans, when you told me that there was a different kind of villain, I didn't expect it to be like... They were trying to make it to where... They were fear-mongering people with crystals. That was it. Point blank. It was... You, if you say something upon this crystal, it will take away something to give you what you want. It's like, bitch, no, that ain't how it works. Don't be trying to scare these people from enlightening themselves. What if you get hit with the rock, though? That hurts. <laughs> that really hurts. It sure does. I mean, the dude became the rock. You missed oh, it. dang. You, Did you smell yeah, what he dude, was He was cooking? like, I'm going to put the smack down on all their candy asses. The poontang pa. Ha, la, 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 la. Yeah. No, nah, you missed it. It was a really... uh. It was different. It was really different. Hmm. I liked it. Kind of sad, though. Yeah. It was. Yeah. All right, so what's this next theory we got? Our next theory is Antarctica. This theory is that Atlantis was a more tempered version of today's Antarctica. This is suggested based on the book Charles Hapgood wrote, Earth's Shifting Crust. His book theorizes that 12,000 years ago, the continent of Antarctica shifted with the Earth's crust from a more northern placement to the South Pole, placing a warm-weathered society in frigid temperatures and buried under layers upon layers of ice to never be seen again. Meh. I, I believe it. I mean, I could see it because, you know, they got, there are pyramids in Antarctica. Hey, maybe that's why the Nazis were going up there to Antarctica, yeah. right? And just like you said, Dan, the pyramids, maybe they had found Atlantis under the ice. Huh? Ooh. I mean. That's where the spaceships come from. <laughs> maybe. I mean, think about it. Like, nobody really knows what's underneath it. It's like miles and miles of ice, supposedly. True. We just got to wait for the crust to shift Yeah, and again. then, you know, they don't let the public go there, so... All right, we're all going to Antarctica with a bunch of heat guns. We're just going to stand there. Start melting. Come on, guys. A bunch of blow dryers. And then we got to worry about those freaking robot things coming at us. Oh, the spider things? Yeah. The, oh, yeah. You know, I could not find that post of yours, Aaron, that you found with that. But I did find, like, I think a YouTube video that showed it just a little bit. That was it. Yeah, I'm telling you, they wiped that shit quick. Yeah, you said you were you're watching it live, right? Like you saw that conversation live. I I saw it live. Yeah, that thread live. I was watching it as it was unfolding, and uh, yeah, they uh they wipe it pretty quick. But if you don't know what we're talking about, wasn't it like a theories Thursday where I covered that yes. or something? Mm -hmm. Was that Patreon ex exclusive or not? Um, I don't think it was Patreon. Let's see here. Oh yeah, it was Patreon exclusive. It was. Oh, no, you're right. To be honest, Antarctica is where the pyramids are, like in the movie Alien vs. Predator, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that's, uh, they deleted that quick. Anyways. All right. So I guess we roll on to the next theory. So this is a more modern theory revolving around the lost civilization of Minoan that was around 2500 to 1600 BC. The Minoans were believed to be one of Europe's great civilizations. They built amazing palaces and paved roads and were the first people in Europe to use a written language, which was Linear A. At their pinnacle point of power, the Minoans disappeared, leaving no trace. Historians believed that in 1600 BC, an earthquake shook the volcanic 
island of Santorini in the Greek Isles. The earthquake triggered an eruption spewing millions of tons of rock and ash into the air, creating massive tidal waves that were strong enough to destroy and wipe out Minoan cities. Damn, I didn't know that. I didn't either. History lesson for your ass. I hear Minoan, um, and first thing that comes to mind is Minotaurs. I'm just like, <laughs> is this where the Minotaurs came from? See, I think of Minotaurs. I think of Jason Momoa. Dude, he's so hot. He's a Pacific Islander, ain't he? Yeah, that's right. That's my people. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Dude, I was watching, like, he was talking about dieting for rolls. He said, dude, it's hard because I'm Hawaiian and I just like to eat. Hawaiian rolls. <laughs> He's a big boy. Mm. That's what I thought, Aaron, too, by the way. I was like, he doesn't, he can't eat Hawaiian rolls. What a sad <laughs> thing. Hey, uh, real quick question. So they said that this, at their pentacle of power, the Minoans disappeared, leaving no trace. Well, if they left no trace, how did they know that they were there in the first place? Honestly, I was reading up on it and I couldn't find anything like how they said it. I'm just going to say that it's probably like a Greek story. It's just written down. Mm-hmm. Like Atlantis. And this is yeah. accepted, but Atlantis isn't? I think just because this makes more sense than, you know, you got to think about how scientists and historians are. Water being like oceans swallowing up an island just never to be seen again rather than just a giant tidal wave. You can prove a volcanic eruption, I think. There's ways you can prove that those happened, but, you know, I guess it's hard. It's harder to prove uh, the sea coming up and swallowing an island whole, but they're just closed-minded. Mm. Yeah, just look at Fukushima. That swallowed a lot of people. Ooh. I was just thinking about how the Earth tells everything. Yeah. And in my opinion, that I the Sahara shows evidence of a tsunami coming through and retreating, pulling the sands back into the ocean. Yep. We got a couple more theories, and then it's personal thoughts and theories, so let's hold it in a little longer. Okay. All right, tell us about this next theory, Dan. This one is Plato fabricated the civilization. Many historians believe that Plato fabricated Atlantis. The idea is that Plato wrote a story about his ideal civilization. It's somewhat believed because there is no other written evidence in any other text. And that temple is gone. Mm-hmm. It got washed away because it was in swamplands. Mm. Or it just eroded over time. Or it just sank into the swamp. Yeah, actually, that is what happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Why don't they dig it up then? Well, have you watched how hard it is for Oak Island yeah, dude. to get into the People swamp? People die. We can send, hold on, you're telling me we can't dig up a temple, but we can send a freaking spaceship to Mars and have it land and beam back images and video but we can't dig up a freaking temple in a swamp land well, yeah what is shrek out there defending it or something Ma swamp it, it makes no sense no we don't care about this planet and its questions we have enough about we don't know a lot but the people who control this country know enough and they don't or this world they don't need to go and look for something that they don't care about well, here's my thing i care about cell phone service this is another thing i don't get Random locations that I should get cell phone service. I should it's I should be able to travel anywhere in the world and have cell phone service, right? Am I turning into a Karen right now? <laughs> no, I'm not. So it, this is what's happening, right? How is it that I can travel to a modern city right now and still have not have cell phone service 
but in freaking in the caves of Syria, ISIS can chop heads off in 4K and be able to upload it. And they got full cell phone service. How, do, how does that happen? Thanks a lot, U.S. government, for, for rebuilding towers there. Because we need satellite phones. Yeah. There you go, dude. Shrek is love. Shrek is life. This my swamp donkey. Anyways, done with Aaron's rant. Let's get into this last theory before I get too angry. Get out of my swamp. This is an out there theory, but my friend Rabbit actually brought it up, and I thought it was a really good, like, just a thinker, right? So, let's think about Jumanji for a second. The movie. The original. Now, the original. With Robin Williams? Yes. Not this new shit with Dwayne. The Rock. It's pretty funny, though. He smells what you're cooking. I haven't seen it, but I'm I'm sticking to my original for now in this conversation. So, as you know, there is a draw to this game. You hear the beat of the song, do, 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 and you just, you, you get drawn to it. You have to find it. Well, what if Atlantis itself has that type of energy that's drawing people to search for it? You have people who have spent their lives trying to find it, dedicated their own research to trying to find it. And it's, you could find kids' toys about it. It doesn't exist, yet it exists all throughout different parts of the world. So what if there is something negative about Atlantis? The reason that it fell, possibly. Maybe it was a society that was all about power. It had a deity that was the center of all of it. And then it separated the royals from the commoners. And maybe the power got too strong and they were using it for evil and so it got wiped out. And they wanted this society to disappear because there's something at Atlantis that is negative, a bad force. And if you find it or open the box or whatever the hell it is, you awaken whatever it was that took them out in their time, their curse, their problems, whatever. Because Poseidon supposedly... If I remember correctly, he wiped out the land. Yeah. He washed it through with water. He was the one who caused the tsunami, the earthquakes, to get rid of Atlantis, which was his own people. Why would he do that? Unless there was some bad happening that he was like, no, kind of like Noah, right? There's too much evil in the world, supposedly, right? So the floods happened and reset everything. What if that's the same type of thing? There's something about it. And we are all drawn to figure out the mystery of Atlantis. And even though it's right in front of our faces, scientists aren't going to want to talk about it. I bet you we won't hear about Atlantis being the eye of the Sahara for another 10 years. But why? Why would they hide something like that? Do you think they're purposely hiding? Yes. I think advanced civilization. They do not want to admit that there was intelligent civilization 11,600 years ago that was able to do what they could do that and on top of that if you acknowledge that atlantis was real then you're acknowledging that there is such thing as gods and deities like poseidon who was half human and half fish yeah do you think he was rather than saying he was like a god do you think he was more like maybe half alien yeah half a different species or something yeah and that's what the gods are he's an anunnaki yeah yeah if you listen to that Matthias Stefano dude, he talks about that the Anunnaki were Atlantis. 
that they breeded the people who became the Atlanteans. And it goes into like a whole thing. That's why I was like, I, we don't have time. It literally, his story of Atlantis, the spirituality side of Atlantis. And I say that because it's the mythical. It's the stuff that we would look into as like, yeah, I believe Poseidon was real. I know plenty of people that have deities that are guides that are deities. But without stomping on that line, because obviously not everyone believes in spirituality and stuff. I think like it would have to be either a Theories Thursday or its own episode because, you know, even though I'm all about spirituality and I believe that Poseidon and shit was real, not everybody is. So I didn't know how to how to to break it down, do it justice, but not be like spirituality in your face, you know? Yeah. So it was tough to walk. I guess that moves us to personal thoughts and theories. And there is a question I want to ask each of you. Do you believe Atlantis was a real city and that it existed? Dan, yes or no? Yes. Hans. Of course. Anna? You know I do. Okay. And what about you? Do you? No. Negative. It doesn't exist. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it I think it did. I believe something existed. Yeah. But then again, I mean, I it might have been just a regular city that was like over overly um what is it, embellished? Right. And then as it was passed on generation to generation, um, that it just, you know, grew in fame and grew in each person, each generation added their own fling to it, made it more greater and greater and greater. Yeah. I think that's a possibility. So like all myths. What I just can't wrap my head around is if it was a civilization that existed and it got wiped out by a big flood but they're covering it up because of the technology. What was there that was so great, right? I mean, I think it's just advanced civilization, whether or not it's technology that we don't have today. Do you think, oh, do you think they, they had a hand in building the pyramids? You think about everything in history. The, yeah, the Egyptians were connected to the Atlanteans, or... Yeah, the Atlanteans. And that is how Solon got his stories from the Egyptians because they were connected. The Egyptians aren't right next to... You know, Egypt is not on the west coast of Africa, right? It's on the, it's on the northeast east side, right? You're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> I know. I said it with confidence, hoping that... It's, okay. So Egypt and uh, the Eye of the Sahara are not close to each other. But they were close enough to still be connected, and that is how they pass their stories down from one another. But uh, there is some theories that they did have that help, that connection. And if they were as advanced, because they built this upon a natural structure. Uh, Like, I do believe that the way that this ring was created is natural. And they took advantage of the way it was to create natural moats. And protection, they used nature to to its advantage because back in the day, that's what we did. We saw what the earth provided, and we utilized that. So they look at this place that's got protection from the north. It's connected to the ocean. They have fresh water. They are able to create these barriers of water and land. And the most important people being the center people, the Poseidon's temple, the royal family. To get to them, you have to get through 
the 1,200 naval ships plus the land ring of all their military, which housed like 2,400, 240,000 different military people to run the ships. And then you have your commoners and stuff. Didn't we go over a subject here recently on an episode where they talked about every 11 to 12 to 13,000 years, there's a major catastrophe or flood or something like Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah. The Forbidden Book. Forbidden Book. Okay. Yeah. And that was on our Patreon episode. So that if we go by that, the Forbidden Book, then that goes right in line, which if there was something like that and it caused the sand of the Sahara, right? Is that, is it saying that it's covered up? Like it's underneath all that sand? Yeah. Like Atlantis, for one, you could find artifacts. It is so easy to find arrowheads, rings, things throughout the area because nothing is really, not nothing, there, there are stuff around the Rakat structure, but remember, a tsunami possibly came through here. So what scientists have to do is look at the trajectory of where this water would have flowed had this really happened and then go and see if they can find more deposits of stuff because they're like, okay, There's evidence that there was something here, but there are no buildings. Why aren't there buildings? Well, the way that the people, the Morian people, would build buildings, they would stack rocks and create a mud or like a cement made of mud and dung. And that was their building structures. What a shitty structure. (laughs) (laughs) Hell, it held up a lot. But basically, that is why we can't... When the floods came through, it eroded the eye of the Sahara. And when you look at it, it looks like it has a mass amount of erosion. And it's supposedly from the water coming through, which would have washed out the the way that they built their structures back in the day. And then they just uh, become a pile of rocks. There is no, you know, when a building falls, oftentimes you could see the foundation or how it was. Because of the way that they built things, it was just loose rock that they put on top of each other with mud. And so when it fell, It was just a pile of rocks. So why doesn't anybody just take a metal detector and start walking out in the desert? Well, this is so remote. It is not easy to get here. Like people do not. They they get less than like 4,000 tourists a year. This is very remote. You got to remember, this is the Sahara Desert. There are not a lot of people around. Uh, When in the documentary, they flew to a town called like, Nakut, it's on the coast. And then they had to, when they landed there, they had to take a vehicle to the actual site. But it's, their crime rate is extremely high in the, in Mauritania. Uh, and so like the people were like, we don't recommend you go here. Maybe it's purposely high. So they mm-hmm. keep people away. So they don't find out the truth. Dude, I have a theory about that with the Middle East. I think a lot of shit is buried in the Middle East and that there's war constantly happening there as a natural deterrent to find the history's past. Yeah, the Mesopotamia, Sumerians, all that ancient stuff and that ISIS is being um, funded by our own government to go over there. And like you see videos of them destroying temples and stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's the CIA saying, hey, destroy this and that they're pushing that to get rid of that culture. And that treasure of ancient technology or ancient whatever beings. Because if we know we came from the outer space or if we know that 
there's beings out there that influenced our way of life thousands of years ago, we wouldn't be ruled by a person sitting in an office, you know, or a Senate or a house or people telling us what we need to do. There's people out there in the stars, you know? Yeah. Anyways, sorry for my rant. All right. So has anybody else got any good theories about this? Let me hear them. Got any good theories or thoughts or anything? I did have a thought while Anna was reading the Jumanji theory. I don't know why, but it just reminded me of Pandora's box. I'm just like. Mm -hmm. That was exactly what. Yeah, dude, for real. Those exact words Rabbit said, dude, go ahead. I love this. I don't know. It just feels like because if you read up about the Pandora's box and all that, pretty much it just contained like all matters and manners of evil. And, you know, with y'all saying that Mauritania, the crime rate is like super high there. Like it just makes me even think it more that, you know, someone took, you know, one of Zeus's probably bloodline sent that shit over to Poseidon's area and just opened up Pandora's box in Atlantis. Just wiped it out. Dude, you're telling me that that's like the smallpox blankets for the Spaniards to the Native Americans? They like basically threw them a box and was like, here's a present. And then they opened the box and it was Pandora's box and it destroyed them. Sounds like it. (laughs) Damn, I like that. I mean, it just, I don't know, some of the stuff just is starting to add up to it. It's just like, it's a possibility. I mean, if we're going into like some mythology stuff, I mean, Pandora's box is part of it. Yeah. What if it tainted Poseidon's people and he didn't want it, like, this mythology, right? So let's just say, like, it was something really bad and it would have taken over everything. And so he made the decision to wipe out all of Atlantis because it couldn't spread. So he sacrificed his own people to contain Pandora's box's problems. And he thought, oh, a tsunami will destroy everything and hide all the evidence and Pandora's box will be gone and lost to sea. And then here we are in 2021 and you hear that boom, 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 boom. And you're like, where is that sound coming from? Oh, the eye of the Sahara. And now you go and you find this box and you unbury it. And then what do we do when we find a box? We always open it. We open sarcophaguses that we shouldn't open. Even though they say if you open them, the world is going to end. Oh, we, we'll open it. We'll see. Let's just test it and see. It's just like the movie Mummy. Yeah. The chest saying, do not open this or you like be cursed or whatever. Hey, you guys, open this box. People die opening the box and then, well, their sacrifice was, you know, needed. What's in the box? You know, no one cares. You're going to open a box. What would Brendan Fraser do? He wouldn't open the fucking box. He would shoot all those zombies looking guys. Hans, what do you got for us? I know you're over there like a statue. I know when you're thinking the deep in thought. So, the whole time, you know, you brought up part of my theory, which is the, uh, you know, Adam and Eve story. And so if you read the preface of the book, it does say like, like Adam and Eve's 11,500 years ago, could that have been the cataclysm? Could the uh, the pole shift have caused the cataclysm that wiped it out? Because like we were talking about in it, you know, giant tidal waves go across the earth at 1,000 miles an hour, you know, destroying everything. Or, you know, it just changes, you know, the poles. So now somewhere like the Antarctica theory, now it's colder. 
maybe that's why the elite are building underground bunkers. It might be, and that's why, you know, we we talk about what technology they could have. You know, they found it like a, a nuclear reactor from like 15,000 years ago. I was reading a story once about that, and maybe that could be the uh, the sign that they were just as intelligent as we are. And then the cataclysm wiped out life like a great reset. You know what's going to be messed up about nuclear reactors is that they're spent fuel mm-hmm. bundles. They put them in a thing called a dry cast storage system, which is a gigantic concrete circular pipe cast. Coffin. It's like huge. Yeah, like huge coffin. And they stick these fuel bundles inside there and then uh, they, they bury them, right? And they put like a sign on top that says, do not open. So for people in the future, they won't open it. And you know the half-life on those things? Millions of years. Five billion years. They're going to be here longer than the Earth is. After The, the Earth is going to get swallowed up by the sun expanding, and they're still going to be there. Wow. So, And it's not like we can take the fuel bundles and put them in a rocket ship and shoot them in outer space because then you run the risk. You could, can you imagine that shit it going out in the outer space all of a sudden explodes and then you just got billions of fuel bundles and radioisotopes just dispersed through the atmosphere mm. and then they just rain down on you? Oh my Mutant god. Mutant superpowers! Mutant savior! Mutant savior! And that's when we all become robots and Robotron is our leader now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Does anybody else have anything they want to add to this episode today? You know, I have some of Plato's books. I might read those again. I like I like to smell it sometimes. I like the way it tastes. Mm-hmm. All right. What are you talking about? Play-Doh. Yeah, Play-Doh. Oh. People think I'm weird because I make French fries and I actually eat them. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not wrong. I put them in the little toy oven and cook them, okay? They are cooked. I talked to my manager. All right. All right. So that's the end of today's episode. And uh, it was a good one. I enjoyed it. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we're going to transition into our on the scene. Oh, we have one. Now, if you aren't familiar with our on the scene, it is where individuals around the world go and interview unsuspecting people and ask them about current conspiracy and happenings around the world. Now, we used to have somebody that was dedicated to that, Hans, but now he has taken a solid spot and has become a host permanently. So now we are on the search for America's Got Talent, but it's Theories Got Talent. Theories on the scene. We're looking for the next one and we're having tryouts. So people, feel free to go and interview individuals and email us the recordings that you get. And keep them under 120 seconds, and we will feature them. And this week, our on the scene is from a woman named Aubrey. Ooh. And we're going to play that right now. Nice. This is Miss Aubrey coming to you from Central Ohio. I'm here with some of my pre-K students because I'm interested in what their thoughts are on some conspiracy topics. So, do you think aliens are real? And if you do, can you tell me why? Because I saw an alien that was real on the moon. 
you saw an alien that was real on the moon. Have you been yeah. to the moon before? Yeah. But when? At Wednesday. At Wednesday, you went to the moon and saw an alien. What did the alien look like? It was green with only one eye. It only had one eye? Yeah. That's crazy. Did he have a big blue furry best friend named Sully? He did? Okay, thank you. Okay, do you believe in Bigfoot? Yeah. Why do you believe in Bigfoot? I because. Because why? Because. Can you tell me why? Or you just believe in him? I'm just believing him. Okay. Do you believe in aliens? Yeah. Why do you believe in aliens? Because because I saw it on 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 Earth because because I saw a red alien and I had two eyes. You saw a red alien on Earth. Yeah. Was he just walking around like normal? Yeah. He and he just got back in his spaceship. Oh, okay. Thank you. My last question is, do you think 9-11 was an inside job, yes or no? Yes. That's all we have here in Ohio. Thanks. <laughs> yes. that's, a, that's amazing. <laughs> that's great. Uh, I want that kid's what autograph. What I want to know is, how in the heck did a pre-K kid get to go to the moon and we haven't been doing it? Dude, I'm telling you, it's the new kids, you know, they're yeating their way to the top. <laughs> <Yeet>. <laughs> uh, astro projecting, man. No, I believe that. Their imagination isn't limited. They can travel wherever they want to go. Mm-hmm. It made me smile. That was good. Dude, that was amazing. Yeah, I love that. The end. Perfect. What a perfect question. Don't have to give why you believe in Bigfoot. You just do. That's right. Thank you, Aubrey, for that excellent on-the-scene interview with your students. It was great. I loved it. Excellent. Shout-out to all the students there. Uh, Shout-out to the last kid who said 9-11 was an inside job. <laughs> oh, yeah. my Love gosh. Yes. You're epic, and you will forever live on in history of TOT3K That's right. World. Yeah, see, that's why people always ask, hey, why do you bleep out the F word? Why, why is the f-word censored it's because i know eventually we're going to be played across pre-k's into kindergarten classes across the universe i know it mm-hmm. yeah. expanding the mind thank you uh aubrey again for the beautiful recording we love you and again if you want to submit your on the scene report make sure it is less than 120 seconds just like aubrey did which is beautiful uh make sure you record it and it's pr- good quality um, and you can do that with your phone. Just download the Road Recorder app, and it will—it's free, and it lets you record it. And then it—you can just forward the email right or forward the recording right to our emails. Boom! But again, thank you, Aubrey, and we love you. And shout out to your class and all your pre-K students. Shout out! Yep. Yes, we love you, and we're proud of all you guys. Keep learning. Aubrey's a great teacher. Yes, she obviously is, as she's asking about conspiracy theories. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to move on to shout-outs. Who wants to go first? Oh, I got a couple. All right, let's hear them from Twitter. The Twatispia. Tweet. So first one, I got you. Jody Rod, 1987. 
my friend, you asked for a shout out. Here you go. I love you and I'm proud of you too. Britain, you rock, dude. Thank you for the recommendation to the other uh, person who is looking to listen to an awesome podcast. You know we're up on that list. William G. Brown, thank you so much for joining the family. We're glad to have you here. Shout out to the D&D of the third kind group that we're starting. Uh, sorry, guys, exclusive to my family, but I'm excited for our D&D group that we got going on. Exclusive to your family plus me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> bitch. Yeah, suck duh. it. What's Fucking good? suck it. I'm a wizard, Harry. Oh, I'm the my. wizard. You're wizard, Harry. But yeah, honestly, love chatting with you guys on Discord this week. Uh, it's always nice to pop back on there. It's been hella busy. Obviously, lots of changes going on, so we're just trying to tie all that shit in. But, yeah, I love all you guys on Discord. Keep up your amazingness. And, yeah, my, that's about all I got this week. Love you, and I'm proud of you. Nice. All right, I'll hop over to Instagram shoutouts real quick. Uh, shout out to Brox. They wrote us a message on Instagram saying, hey, I'm a big fan. I'm re-listening to all of the Apple podcast episodes and wondering why there are some that are missing on season one. Well, I think we need to make like a FAQ on our website that's like, hey, where's all of our episodes in season one? Not all, but we're missing like the first 18. Well, it's because uh, when we first started recording, our quality was crap and we decided to pull those episodes because the quality was just horrendous and we're redoing a lot of those episodes. So they will be coming shortly and that's why they are missing. Um, shout out to Kyle, Zach. Uh, shout out to Tyson. He said he's been a fan since season one. So shout out to you. Love you. Shout out to McKenna. She said that she wanted to reach out and let you guys know uh, that we have an awesome podcast and that you're all super cool. And she specifically said, Anna, I'm in love with you. Hit me up if you're ever in Providence, Rhode Island, so we can blaze it up. Blaze it up. Oh, I'd love to. I'm always down for a good smoke with someone that's got an open mind. Nice. All right. Uh, shout out to, oh my God, it'd be Daisy. Uh, to Raiden. He said he digs her podcast. We dig you. Shout out to Jessica. Uh, she says the she just listened to the Mandela Effect episode and the change about Fruit Loops is screwing with her mind. You know, we get that message like constantly. Well, not constantly, but we get it a lot of people saying that they listen to the Mandela Effect episode and how Fruit Loops keeps changing. And I'm like, fuck, I can't even keep up with it. What it is now. I'm thinking about buying a box of Fruit Loops mm -hmm. and then sticking it up here so I know which one's real and which one's not. Sticking it to the man. Let's see. Shout out to Alex. He said, uh, Alex said, how can I hear the story of Hans being kidnapped in St. Louis? Hmm, I think that would be the, uh, the episode after I was there. You could, you could yeah. hear it happening. You could hear Aaron laughing at my pain as I was being shoved into the freaking trunk of a small vehicle. With a gag ball and something else protruding in that trunk. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it was. Yeah, it's not. Mm -hmm. And it was in your on the scene section, yep. so it would have been after yep, the episode. Yep, it was on the scene. I, I got got. Nice. Gotcha, bitch. All right, got a couple more shout outs. Shout out to I Am Nacho. Shout out to Chris, Ruby, Anthony, Manuel, Dyland, Austin. Breaking Trap, 
Jeremy. Shout out to Clayton. Nathan, shout out to you. And then I got a couple emails that I need to give a shout out to. Shout out to Ashton. She sent us an email saying, hey, in your intro, when the lady says kind, is it from the Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2 movie? When, Ray, when Helena Ravenclaw says, Luna is kind, but she's wrong. No, it's not from that. Uh, but v- you do like your Harry Potter. And so that's cool. Shout out to Ben. Sent us an email saying, what do you guys know about the Marshall Islands? I heard some effed up projects and happenings going over there since the 40s. Uh, I work tons of hours, so I'm just a worthless fucker. No, you're not. You need to stick it to the man. You're not worthless. But he is a Patreon member, and he's proud of us, and he loves us. And what do you mofos think about 5G? Benjamin R., a.k.a. Benihana. Well, thank you, Benihana. We'll have to put that Marshall Islands down on the topic list. And my last shout out this week goes to Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, not the fucking company, to the person who sent the email, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Um, they said they came off. They said they came across our podcast after they searched for cryptids on Spotify. Content is ten out of ten, and they like how frequently we put out episodes. So I said thanks for the awesome content. Well, thank you. We love you, and we're proud of you, every single one of you. All right, Dan, what do you got for Facebook shoutouts? I only got a couple. Shout out to Ryan. He said uh, he wanted us to do an episode on Karen Silkwood. I don't know if you've heard of her. Oh, yes, Karen Silkwood. Yes, that's a good one. Yes, it is, yeah. Next shout out to Corbin E., he says, love the podcast, heard about it on Brandon Swab podcast, and have been hooked ever since. He got his brother hooked on it. He's like, love what you all do and how you bring great personal theories to each subject. You are all great, and I learned so much. Thank you all. Then uh, last shout out goes to Leo V. He suggested this uh, an old house on Casper Mountain that's in Wyoming that is a secret entrance to a massive underground bunker. And he said that probably be a good topic that uh, works well with like underground bases, uh, city stuff that we did before. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He said, love the show and can't wait to hear what else we come up with. So. That's awesome. Thank you for that guys. All right. Thank you. Love you. Yes. So much love. All right, Hans, what do you got for shout outs? All right. Shout out to the glizzy gobbler. Then I got a couple on Patreon that Anna sent me. I uh, want to give a shout out to Aubrey Kane. Yes, I am a permanent addition now. Swamp Fox, I'm glad you're enjoying it and loving it. I love you. So, you know, let's hook up sometime. Have some coffee. Coffee. Another person shout out is uh, Ashley question mark. Yeah, I do. You're right. I do need to work on my pacing, but it's getting there. It's getting there. So, and... I would be a good storyteller on YouTube. Sometimes I record my thoughts and I send them to random people. Just different phone numbers. I text random phone numbers and send them like a thought. Dude, that's a good idea. Yeah. And that is a good dude, idea. And they're like, what the, who the fuck is this? And I just never respond and I block the number. I don't know. I might leave it unblocked for a couple of days. Do not go out in your car and drive today. <laughs> this is your warning. And you just block them. Yeah. Stay inside. <laughs> Don't drink oh the milk. Gosh. Why? Just don't do it and leave it at that. 
So yeah, that's all my shout outs. All right, I got a I got a couple more I just came across that I want to shout out. Um, I want to shout out Julian. They updated and said uh, the show is awesome. Daniel and Aaron are, are the reason I kept listening when season two started. I've grown to respect and love Anna a lot more. I love you all and I'm proud of you. And also, Slick Rick said, hopefully I get a shout out in the show, but I found this podcast in the middle of COVID. I listen to podcasts while I'm at work and I found this one and went back and listened to every one until I was caught up. I love all the theories and unbiased opinions on everything. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Slick Rick. And then the last shout out goes to Cuban Cuban. I listened to the show a few times before Anna became a host, but I never got into it. Sorry, boys. Then I decided to try it again when Anna joined, and I love it. Anna saved the show for me, and now I listen every week. Her voice is smooth like honey, and her perspectives add so much to the discourse. Hooray for Anna. You getting love, mm-hmm. man. You getting love. You and Hans are getting love. We're getting shit yeah. on now. Me and Dan. We should just quit. We're done. You, it's rotated, yeah. You need something about the honey. Uh, All I'm saying is stop Asian hate. Uh, I did. <laughs> Stop the Asian hate. Dan is Asian, in case you guys didn't know. I'm partially Asian. And even if he wasn't Asian, it doesn't matter. Stop the fucking That's Asian right. hate. Just stop the hate in general. Yeah. Yeah. Stop all hate. Dude, That's what I laughed about the other yeah. day. I was talking to some people and they brought it up and I was just like, why did it have to stop Asian hate now? There shouldn't have been no hate in the first place. But, you know, Boom. I guess how it is. Yeah. All right. Well. You guys got anything else you want to add before we roll us out? No. Uh, all right. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for all your support. You're all amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Daniel, son, Anna and Hans, you want to roll us out? Sure. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone. Boom. Nice. Mm.